joke for you. Okay. What do you call an acid with an attitude? What do you call an acid with an attitude? Amino acid. <laughs> They're getting worse, Jacob. <laughs> Amino uh, acid. Okay, let's be bold. And with that, welcome back to another episode of the Be Bold Podcast. My name is Jacob, and I'm the associate director out at Camp Tomashinga, uh, just south of Junction City, Kansas. And I'm here with my good friend, Pastor Liz. And I'm Liz Kocher. I am associate pastor at First Lutheran Church in Manhattan, Kansas. And we are so excited to be back after a uh, very snowy break last week uh, on the podcast. Here on the podcast, we are talking about the topic of vocational discernment, which is a long way of saying how we find out who God made us to be and what we do with that information. And so BOLD is an acronym. It stands for Begin, Own, Learn, Do, which is the model that we we are taking our young people on uh, through this larger Be Bold campaign where we begin them on this journey. We help them own their stories, learn who God created them to be. We help them learn about ways they can live out their call both in and outside of the church. And then we help them do the things that they are called to do. On the Be Bold podcast each week, we get a chance to sit down and talk with somebody who is in the midst of discerning their calling or feels like they've done a pretty good job discerning it. Um, and today we have another very special guest. He is someone who has been around Tomashinga for many, mm-hmm. many years. And if you've been a camper or a parent of a camper, I'm sure at some point in the last five years you've ran into Eric Jensen. Um, and in Manhattan, we also get to lay a claim on Eric because he was our youth intern for several years at First Lutheran. And um, he had actually left on his Yagam trip by the time I took the call. But he's one of those people that I feel like I know already because um, I've gotten to uh, live into the work that he's been doing uh, there at the church. Yes, Eric is down in Argentina. Um, so we'll get to hear stories of him serving down there and being a part of a different community um, and kind of his discernment from going to school for an architect and now now being 100% into ministry and what's that been right like on. for him and how, how that transition is. So enjoy, Eric. Today on the Be Bold podcast, we have Tomashinga's very own uh, counselor extraordinaire, Eric Jensen, with us. Eric is coming to us live from Argentina. Um, He is in the Yagum program, so we'll hear all about that coming up. Uh, Eric, how are you doing? I am doing uh, just fine, or uh, as we would say here, Bolivian. Awesome. Well, it is so good to see you. This is the first time we've chatted since you took off, and I'm sure it's been a bit of a journey since you left America. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, So how did you get plugged into Yagam? Oh, goodness. Man, that's going to make me think. Um, Well, I've always been really passionate about seeing um, and experiencing new places and peoples. Uh, And for anyone who knows me, probably knows with maybe, maybe knows a little bit too well that uh, 
I uh, studied abroad in Italy for a semester in college, and um, that really shaped my life and my love um, and helped me realize that passion for seeing and learning and experiencing um, different cultures and places. And as I reached the end of my uh, architectural studies in, uh, in university, I felt that wanderlust still very much alive. Um, and also was in this process of discernment over uh, where the Lord might want me to, to live and work and be uh, in my life. And uh, when it became apparent that architecture was not the case, uh, I was not exactly sure whether what type of ministry would, would best fit my future, what I felt called to do. Um, but I knew that I had a passion for traveling and for experiencing. And when I heard about the Yakum program, um, which was from a few different people, I believe. It just kind of came up in conversation here and there. Uh, eventually, it piqued my interest enough that I looked into it um, and applied my fifth and final year of college while I was finishing up my master's degree. And then after uh, the spring that I graduated, I was accepted and, um, and, and kind of just fell into the rhythm or lack thereof of, uh, of the program and the experience and just kind of let it Lower where it went. That's awesome, man. And so you went to school for architecture, and you you mentioned that you felt like it wasn't going anywhere. What kind of? How did you recognize that? What kind of feeling was that? Um, elaborate a little more on that for me. Um, it was a lot of feelings. Uh. I remember in particular after my beginning my involvement with camp and with Tomashinga after my freshman year, after my first year of college, uh, I really realized that I had a passion other than just architecture, that ministry was something I cared about. Um, and um, dare I say, at times even good at, um, and realizing that, that I had more than one uh, gift to work with as a potential like future, like where my life might lead. Um, was actually really scary. <laughs> uh, I had always wanted to be an architect um, and loved architecture, and I still do. Um, I I talk about it all the time. Everywhere I go, I see things as an architect, but I re realized that I didn't feel called to be that. And I don't really think there are good words to explain what that feels like other than to just say that's that's what it was. I just knew but i didn't know in any given moment it was a long painful process of me fighting um because when you're talking about throwing away or not throwing away but like i'm spending tens of thousands of dollars to be at this university and for me to, to just decide because of this thing called the holy spirit that i don't want to do that thing i'm paying ten thousand tens of thousands of dollars for was really scary um but luckily I was really wonderfully supported by all kinds of different people, um, both in and outside of the um, And uh, ultimately I realized that architecture just didn't fit. Like it's a, it's a passion um, and I, I adore its presence in my life, but my life is more than just architecture. Um, and I feel 
I felt like architecture is a tool, but not the, not the entire picture. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be tough having that realization. I remember you being on summer staff and going through a lot of this and your interpersonal turmoil was, was next level while you're on site. So it's awesome to hear that you really do feel that calling. And would you say you're still feeling that calling to be down in Argentina? I absolutely feel like my place and my experiences here. Um, I see the way that, um, that what I'm learning here and my experiences can be, can be used to, to what I, 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 I should say I'm with more and more certainty feeling called to ordain ministry, um, in the ELCA. Um, and, uh, with that, um, comes an understanding of architecture as a tool a minute ago. I think there's a whole lot. Oh, welcome back. We missed you a little oh, bit. Have I come back? You, you're back. Yes. Okay. I thought, yeah. Uh, yeah, my uh, compatriot next door is uh, listening to music, and I wonder if that affected the internet at all. <laughs> um. <laughs> That'll get you. Um, tell us a little bit about the journey of how you ended up in Argentina, because it wasn't an easy path to get there. Yeah. Um, no, it wasn't. Uh, the... So the, the buzzword for the Yagam program and for the global mission um, unit of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America of the, of the ELCA is accompaniment. Um, but we young adults in global mission, we Yagam have a, a different buzz term uh, that we use. And that is a, a phrase titled subject to change. <laughs> um, at first, it was just on documents here or there. Uh, and... Um, then things started to happen like um, governmental policy post-Brexit um, meant that uh, the uh, UK country program, which is where I was originally placed after the placement event in April of last year, um, post-Brexit, uh, the UK revoked our organization's ability to get visas. Um, and so I, about a month and a half before I was supposed to leave country, like two thirds of the way through my, um, summer working out at a, at a camp in California, um, this summer, I found out one morning that I was not going to the UK and was instead going to Argentina or Uruguay, because at that point, um, our placements like specific cities had not been decided upon. So it was just as out of the blue as I got an email titled difficult news and uh, went from there. And uh, yeah, so it, it's really just been a process of decisions and the church and the world moving the way the church and the world move. And as a Christian and human being kind of going with the flow and just praying and hoping and being a little bit scared uh, a good part of the time as to not really knowing what's going to happen next. So you found out in, in an email called Unfortunate News that you're, you're heading not to England. 
how did they tell you that you were going to be in Argentina? Um, it was loving and also hard because it was just kind of like, I can't imagine having sector of the global church, um, like with about eight or nine of the volunteers, which is about a, a tenth of the Yagam program, um, just like that um, was uh, um, was not able to go to their host country, was not able to go where they were supposed to go. And this is less than um, under two months before we were supposed to leave country. So like other people that other friends of mine knew their cities and had talked to their communities already um, mm-hmm. uh, for their placements and instead i was finding that i was now traveling to a completely different continent an ocean away with a language i did not speak and their email um was basically explained the situation between um the uh, uk uh, program and yagam and the government uh, and said that the visas had been um been unable to be processed um, and below was a, a list of our new country assignments phrased in about as many words. And there were uh, there were various lists of countries. And next to Argentina, Uruguay was named Eric Jensen. And that wow. was it. All right. I think you're back. Can you hear us? Okay. All right. Now yep, that you're back, you just fine. why don't you tell us what you're doing down in Argentina? So I am serving... Uh, at a hogar, um, which is a home for adults who are differently abled, uh, called El Arca. Um, but in most of the world, that's known as L'Arche. Um, and it was an organization founded in France um, where uh, you basically, people come together to live in community with those who are differently abled um, and accompany them in their uh, daily routines and their lives uh, to help them live as independently as possible. Um, in the midst of their uh, of their of their gifts um, and their uh, and their struggles, just as we ourselves have gifts and struggles. That's awesome. Have you ever worked with that type of community before? Uh, I had a very limited exposure for a week this summer at camp, where we had adults with the who were differently able to come out. Um, but being in an administrative role, uh, and also, frankly, because I was too scared to get involved with it, um, I gave it quite a bit of space. Uh, I am maybe not ashamed to say, but I'm certainly willing to admit that I have grown considerably uh, in, uh, in regards to that. Uh, so very little exposure, but this was more or less kind of my first experience with uh, with this group of people. I bet that was, that was quite the adjustment. Uh, where do you see the Holy Spirit at work while you're working with those people? Ooh, sometimes very quietly. Um, this year has been um, a a test in in trust Um, trust in the fact that even when the divine is not readily apparent um, that it exists and is working within our lives Um, i certainly think that the most readily visible form of uh, 
of, of, of Christ, the church, the spirit, what you want to call it in, uh, in this community is just the unabashed and endless love. Um, you become a part of the family um, and the beauty of, um, of having brothers and sisters and uncles and grandparents um, that are kind of decided for you um, when you, when you, when you choose uh, to serve and to live in this community uh, is a powerfully profound thing um, because you are given the option to love the people um, in the midst of their differences, just as I think it is with anyone, although at times it may be more visible in this type of, uh, this type of service. Um, but it's, it's a decision you have to make and, uh, um, you can either choose to love or not. But the beautiful thing is regardless of whether we as the assistants choose to love, um, is the, the chicos, the, the people living in the Hogar, um, they love you whether you love them or not. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. If you have kind of one piece of advice for, for a, maybe a high school kid trying to figure out what to do next or somebody in college trying to understand um, how God's working, where, where they should go next, what would that advice be? What would that advice be? Trust Trust in what you feel um, and lean into the doubt and the fear. Um, what you want to do may not be um, what you need to do, or it very well may be. Um, but when change comes, as it always will um, in this life, um, to be afraid and unsure and scared and angry these are okay things. There's a reason we have these emotions um, and there's beauty in them and, and then being able to help us yeah. work through and trust. Yeah, that's cool. That's some good advice, Eric. Well, well thanks for joining us all the way from Argentina. It's awesome to catch up with you. Hey, happy to help. Wow, I am so thankful for technology and the way it connects uh, people all the way across the world. Um, it's awesome to hear his stories and um, hear about his time in Argentina and some of the struggles and the long journey it took him to get there. Um, so thank you, Eric, for what you do. So my job here on the Be Bold podcast is to take a look at what our scriptures have to say about vocational discernment, to take a look at how God's story as found in scripture uh, interweaves with our own stories and how God is working in our life. And so I'm looking at the text for this coming Sunday, uh, which is the Transfiguration Sunday. We're finally yes. out of what is probably one of the longest seasons of Epiphany. So uh, your preachers are excited for a little bit of a change of pace. Transfiguration is a great day of celebration and of mountaintop experiences, and it prepares us for the journey of Lent, which starts next week. So I'm looking at the gospel reading. Uh, this year, our gospel of the Transfiguration is found in Luke chapter 9 and I'm looking at verses 28 through 36 
Yeah, had to double check that. 28 through 36. But uh, this is probably a story you are familiar with. Uh, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the mountain to pray. Um, and I love I love these mountain moments, mostly because um, when we try to answer the question, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I love knowing that going on a hike on a mountain is always an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take a model from that. I was actually up on vacation in the mountains last week hiking. Uh, I did not have the same mountaintop experience, though. So Peter, James, and John are up with Jesus to pray. And while Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. Now, uh, they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. And so there's a great mystery around Moses and Elijah appearing. The gospel leaves this ambiguous. We don't know if they were holograms or if they were ghosts, but we know they talked. And so it's this amazing moment where this boundary between earth and heaven, between this mortal life and the immortal life, that boundary is broken. So it's this this amazing moment. Um, And now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. This was an exhausting hike, but they woke up and just as they were leaving, the just as Moses and Elijah were leaving, Peter says to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, so let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, because we want to all stay here and be together. And so as Peter was telling Jesus, let's stay up here, let's build some cabins, let's hang out with Moses and Elijah forever, a great voice came from heaven, presumably the voice of God, and this voice says, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and Peter, James, and John kept silence, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. So this story is amazing for so many reasons, uh, and there could be so many things said about it, but one of the important aspects is that we actually get the voice of God. The voice of God in Luke doesn't come a lot in our stories. We get it at Jesus' baptism. We get it at the resur- or at the crucifixion, um, and here we get it on the mountaintop. So when God's voice actually interjects into our world, it causes us to pay attention And before we hit record on this podcast, Jacob and I were talking about how nice it would be if we got God's direct voice in our lives, helping tell us what to do, helping instruct us on what to do and who we were supposed to be, how God was working in our lives. Um, And perhaps you have had an experience where you really feel like you have heard God's voice. But I know for me, the voice of God is found in the people around me. The voice of God is found in my friends and my family. Family and my mentors uh, helping me understand who God is calling me to be and how God is working in my life. So this is a good Sunday to remember those voices in our lives who have helped us, who have supported us, and who have continued to be God's voice for us. This is also a great Sunday to reflect on those literal mountaintop experiences and and I was thinking of um, a story I've heard from one of the summer staffers who's our current youth intern who had a very very profound uh, discerning moment here at camp where he was literally with a camper on top of the uh, 
cross the rock cross the rock cross on the rock cross hill and someday we'll get him on the podcast to tell that story but he had a literal hilltop mountaintop experience and jacob was talking about one of his friends who had a profound uh transfiguration moment on a mountain now i myself have spent a lot of time on mountains and can't say that i've had quite the transfiguration uh experience on the mountains myself i i I love it and and have profound moments but not this like great crystallizing moment so I've always kind of resisted this idea of mountaintop experiences mostly because I'm not sure I've had one but when I thought about my own life in a deeper way I've realized that I have had mountaintop experiences they've just been a little bit more subtle they've been these moments that I afterwards and maybe years afterwards looked back on and realized how transforming they were for my life and so I'll share one um one of my beloved mentors who was the youth director at the church that I grew up at um she she gave me a moment uh that that still to this day transforms me um back when I was in high school we were on a um, mission trip and I encountered a person who had experienced some great crisis and tragedy in their life And I remember going to my youth director, Cheryl, Uh, I remember going to Cheryl and saying, Cheryl, I I want to love and help and be with this person, but I don't know, I don't know, what do you, what do you say when you're faced with this kind of tragedy? What do you say? And she calmly looked at me and she said, you don't, Liz, you listen. And it was this amazing moment of you don't have to say anything, you simply listen. That was a transforming moment for how I think about my own ministry, my own pastoral and personal ministry, that God's voice isn't necessarily saying something, giving platitudes, giving advice. Sometimes the best voice and action of God is to simply be present and listen. Jacob, any mountaintop experiences you've got to share? <laughs> uh, the first one that comes to my mind, um, as we're sitting out here at camp, I mean, mountaintop experiences happen <laughs> all the time, and mm-hmm. we're, we're sitting in the director's cabin, and just outside this door behind our dining hall, um, it might have been three years ago, um, we had a counselor named Isaiah, mm. and it was during our Metro Lutheran week where there's a ton of inner city kids that come out, and they've just had real tough lives and seen so many things that we never see, and so um, they grew up tough, and you know, it's a hard week for the counselors mm-hmm. because it's not what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, kids are unresponsive to some things, and it just wears people out, and there was one day, one of the middle school groups was about to go do high ropes, and um, before that... One of the kids had gotten in a in a little fight um, and kind of mouthed off to the counselor a little bit. And the counselor comes up to me and he's like, Jacob. And he tells me what went on. He's like, I just don't think he deserves to go and do high ropes. Like, I don't mm. think that's fair to everybody else. Mm. I'm like, Isaiah, I know and I, I understand this feeling, mm. but these kids get rejected from everything in their own life. Mm. You know, they're they're here and we're here for grace. And that's what well, we got to show them right now, like mm-hmm. talk to them, you know, it's not okay, but show them that grace and love that, Hey, you're still involved and you're still one of us and you get to do everything. And so even talking about it gives me some chills. Mm-hmm. And I know every time I see him, we talk about that experience and just kind of how it's changed his life yeah. and how he sees different situations. And so, yeah. yeah. I, I love that notion of 
grace in the transfiguration. And, and it brings us back to the story because uh, Peter, James, and John, uh, as the scriptures tell us time and time again, they were not perfect people. Um, they went on this hike with Jesus, uh, but they got tired while he was praying and they were like settling in for a nap. Um, and, and I love it when the disciples fall asleep. <laughs> it's it's just delightfully metaphorical for our own lives. But these were not the most perfect, well-equipped disciples. And yet God's amazing manifestation, God's transfiguration through Jesus being dazzling white through the figures of Moses and Elijah, through God's voice, the transfiguration appeared to them, not because of anything they had done or earned, but because Jesus being God's beloved means that we too as disciples are God's beloved. We are God's chosen. And the disciples afterwards, um, you know, Luke tells us they told no one, um, but obviously someone told someone something because we have this account in the stories. And so um, they live to tell the tale and and that's what being a disciple is about is is witnessing to how god has been moving in our own lives i don't know if i have a challenge this week jacob enjoy those mountaintop experiences uh and maybe give give yourself permission to appreciate the mountaintop experiences even if like mine it was as simple as a conversation um just just a short 30-second one-on-one conversation, a conversation I didn't realize at the time how yeah. transforming it was for me, but but certainly was. And so um, be, be attentive to those moments. And definitely take some time to reflect on all those ones in the past because mountaintop experiences are all around us. God's spirit is all around us. So, so take a minute and, and reflect and maybe share with your loved ones and ask where they've seen God active and moving in their life. Absolutely. And I've noticed that most of our stories and Eric's story, um, they, they happen in youth ministry and especially camp. And so this is a great week to uh, take stock of the young people in your life and see uh, how we can get them to camp. Uh, because this is a place that is full of those transfiguring mountaintop experiences. Like Peter said, it is good for us to be here. And at Camp Tomashinga, it is indeed good for us to be here. Very good. And now it may be freezing cold outside, but summer is quickly approaching. So it's the perfect time to register your camper for camp. Um, we have eight weeks of camp going on all through June and July. So Take advantage of that. Get your kiddo plugged in. We have camps for first graders through 12th graders, and we would love to have your camper join us this summer. Um, and maybe we'll have our own mountaintop experience of our own while they're out here. Um, so head over to tomashinga.com, um, see our camp schedule and all the details about camp, and get your kiddo signed up. And with that, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you for joining us again. Um, tell your friends about us. Subscribe and give us some good ratings and reviews on iTunes so we can keep spreading these journeys of, of vocation. Um, and we'll see you next week.